Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Sterling, my partner's Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. In particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Daiwa reels. Don't forget, we've got a new episode of the We Fish ASA podcast every week. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. Thanks for putting this show together. My good friend Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions down in Lando Lakes, Florida. On today's show, we have Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Dave Kranz is going to visit with our good friend Ken Duke, editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine. He's going to give us a preview on the Red Crest Tournament on Lake Norman in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is happening this week. I get to visit with Brian Thrift. He's the odds-on favorite to win the Red Crest on Lake Norman in Charlotte, North Carolina this week. We'll talk to him and see how he feels about that. But first, let me hand off to Dave Kranz. David, take it away. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and I am Dave Kranz. And this episode is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Dave, how you doing? I am doing good. Boy, here's a, here's a topic. Scented baits versus non-scented baits. These fish, they feed by, some of them by scent, some more than others. They feed by lateral line. They feed by sight. How important is the factor of using scent or not using it? What a topic, huh? It is, you know, and it, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot to it. But I think we have seen things, um, I mean, we've seen things forever, as long as we fished and long before we fished, that is evidence of the fact that scent matters by evidence of live bait, right? And you, you drop a wax worm down there and squeeze it so the juice comes out of it and they bite the fire out of it. And you drop something plastic down there and they don't bite it as good. And we've, we've known that forever. And sometimes they do bite the plastic as good. And that's a whole other podcast. But so we've known it always matters. But I, I think in what we've, what we've, what we've really seen um, in the last, you know, well, quite a while, but especially with the advent of Maxent, uh, with the power baits, um, and, you know, choppers had a, had a real strong scent in their baits and, um, and I could go on and on and name brands, but there is absolutely no doubt, um, in my mind, in my opinion, that it matters. And I, I could, I could go to the, to the chigger craw and I could go to the flatworm and I could go to gulp. Um, and talk about these things that not only the fish bite really good, but they want to literally eat it if you don't take it away from them on a hook set. I mean, it's it's something now. The part of that could be compression when they get it; it feels alive. I get that, but man, I'm telling you, there's something to that. And then there's a whole other discussion on bait categories where, to me, it's completely 100% irrelevant. I don't feel, in my opinion, I have to scent a zerospook. Where, but if it's something that they're really getting a good look at or a bottom contact bait, a pitching bait that's Texas rigged, or if it's on a drop shot, I really think it matters. And I, I believe in it now probably more than I ever have. 
as evidenced by the fact that I'm really careful about what I'm handling. Like when I fill up my boat in the morning, I'm just adamant that I don't get gasoline on my hands and stuff like that. Uh, sunscreen is another great, great big, I use the back of my hands to put sunscreen on my face. I don't use my fingers. Um, and and there, it, a lot of it's just because it gets in my head, but I also have <laughs> yeah. seen how good they bite some of these scented baits. So I would suggest people, uh, Try it and try to learn more about it, especially with certain bait categories. I, I think it can matter. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you on a, on a topwater bait or a reaction-style bait, a moving bait. Is the scent going to make a difference? Probably not. Uh, in a bait where you drop it right in their wheelhouse uh, and, and they grab it and it tastes like something that they would normally eat or makes them want to hold on to it more, uh, yeah, that's great. Are they going to come 100 yards because you have the best scent in the world? Probably not, but I think so many... Uh, there's been so many times, and they, they prove this over and over again by testing these different baits and different scent that, that it does work and there is something to it. The other thing is, is it more like a cover scent? Like you're just saying, no sunscreen, no gasoline. We both hunt. Is it like a hunting a cover scent that they, they don't smell us on that bait because it's coffee flavored or garlic flavored or max scent or gulp or whatever it may be or salt content, whatever that is? It, what level is it helping at and what level is it a cover scent? Yeah, at least that's the way I look at it. I, I try to, again, it's like anything, we've done a lot of podcasts on trying to put everything in your favor to be successful. And obvious, obviously to me, one thing that would not give me an advantage is to be sloppy filling up my gas tank or no. my, yeah. adding my um, fuel additive to my fuel and get that all over my fingers and then bring it up a Texas rig. I mean, to, to me, I, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but I, I would add one more thing on this topic is I think that we can be um, sometimes too focused on scent over other things that might, might be more important. For example, if we were to lay out the three or four criterion to make a bait successful, let's talk about a bottom bait. Okay, we would certainly talk about color and size would be, for me, number one and number two, mm -hmm. without a doubt. Is this the right color and is it the right size for the time of year? Then speed and profile comes in with me too. Am I stroking this thing or am I dragging it? And does it have a lot of appendages to it like the summer or is it more of a beaver style bait because the water's cold? Then scent comes in after that, at least for me. I, I, would, I would rather get all those things right and fish an unscented bait that's still catching until the cows come home, then try to just get so in love with scent and miss the color thing or the size thing or the profile or the speed thing. So I, I think it's important to rank them and we can all come up with our own rankings. Dave, you might be opposite to me and I would totally respect that. It's just the way I see it. Um, and I've always looked at those things. I mean, I'd rather fish something the right speed in the right color in the right profile and put it in the right place then I'm worried about if they're going to smell it or not, if that makes sense. It does, and I, I think my rankings would be the same as yours. I, I, I would rather have all those things right without worrying about, about scent. And um, I, I mean, you think of the old man's jelly worm, Anna scent or whatever. It was, it was, that's more of a cover. It's not anything they've ever tasted in their lives. It doesn't taste like crawfish. It doesn't taste like, like shad. It doesn't taste like anything they're eating. And, and when you think of coffee and garlic and everything else, it, what it is. The other thing I, I really think about is we, they develop new scents, new scents, new scents, new scents. 
most of the fish we're fishing for haven't been around for more than 10 years, maybe 12, maybe 15 on a really old one. Uh, so, so are those older scents that kind of went out of favor 10 years ago, can you present them again and they be new to the fish again? Yeah, who knows? I mean, that's about, I, I, you know, one thing I always wish God would have blessed me with the ability to think like a fish. It's funny, <laughs> people people say that about me. They're like, man, you, you you were a fish in your past life. I'm like, dude, you have no idea how much I wish that was true. <laughs> if I were a fish in the past and was Dan Johnston today, I'd be way better than I am now. <laughs> but I, I think that, it, I think, I think it's, a, you know, we have to think about, you know, fish getting beat up and like look at the whopper plopper and you couldn't throw it out there without getting it blown up and now that they've seen it hundreds of thousand miles and down a bank every day they're onto it a little bit more they still bite it but maybe it could be the same thing with scent but i i would i would say this and to all the crappie anglers out there if you haven't tried crappie nibbles you're crazy i yeah. mean that absolutely flat out works i mean and it's just a little stupid looking nugget that you put on the hook band it doesn't look good at all you matter of fact the first time i put it on there i'm thinking they're going to bite it less because it looks stupid but absolutely they bite that and and there's times when it's tough they bite it better when it's not on there and you could talk to a lot of crop anglers that would say that and and, and i think that it's important to understand that there's there's certainly an element to it i mean god creates gave deer and uh, the advantage to smell to a level we'll never understand. We think we do, but we don't. That's how, that's why they wind you 200 yards away when you've done all your prep work. So we'll never get our heads around how good they can really smell. And we will never truly, truly understand all of the things at the fish level, either the trigger them. I guess the only thing I would say is why not put things to your advantage that historically have worked. We know fish have that sense so why would we want to sacrifice ourselves with being sloppy around gasoline and oils and sunscreens and things that are just now wd-40 is a different one there's an old adage out there people say that's actually an attractant and yep. you can happen to oil your hinges with it too so that that's an anomaly but generally speaking be careful with the things that are repellent bugs bug sprays and things like that and then be attracted to things that we feel might be unattracted and i've told you this dave on a very recent podcast i sent unintentionally but i sent all of my plastics with a mineral spirits anise oil blend i do it every year in a baggie and i put them in there and i shake them up and i do it to create the liveliness and color regeneration of the bait but you can absolutely smell that anise oil in there when you pick them up too and do they bite it better because of that i don't know but i know they don't bite it less and i've been doing it now for years and years and years and so i think the scent thing is important i think it's something that uh, we should always have that arrow in our quiver to at least understand that it matters and the more we can apply it the better but again we don't want to put it on i shouldn't say we don't want to but it's not going to do us as much good to put it on a zera spook as it will a creature type plastic bait no no and i always say you catch 90 percent of your fish on what you throw 90 percent of the time and if you truly believe that that scented bait or that flavor that you're throwing or that shape or that size is going to help you catch more fish it's going to help you catch more fish and i think you, you agree with that well, that's exactly right. Again, it's all about being positive. And if we think we have any part in anything that we do to help us catch more, it's going to make us, number one, feel a lot better when we did it, but number two, apply it to many more things. Like If we decide to downsize and we make that decision and it works, 
all it does is add fuel to the fire. What else can I do? Can I try, try a loop knot on this bait? Should I use a line that sinks? And it's that fuel for creativity and trying to be better. And it, and it plays into the sense, the sense side of things too, for sure. Absolutely. And listening to a Dan Johnson will always help make you better. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate the time and look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, Dave, have a great week. You too. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. This episode was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. And my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the Weepfish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly has a passion for the outdoors. He is the editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine. Welcome back, Ken Duke. Hey, Dave. Thanks very much for having me. Always a joy to be on the Weepfish ASA podcast. Uh, we always enjoy having you, especially for a topic like this, because you're uh, about as an uh, expert as I know, in the field of bass fishermen and results and things like that. But kind of want to do a uh, preview on the Classic coming up at Knoxville and uh, see what you think about the anglers that are in it. Well, absolutely. Yeah, the Classic is, uh, of course, uh, probably the greatest tournament in bass fishing history. It's uh, certainly the biggest and most prominent championship out there, and it is always a joy to follow and attend the Bassmaster Classic. And, and the Knoxville location, uh, the last time we were in Knoxville, that, I think it's an awesome place to have it. Yeah, Knoxville's all right. Um, I think that uh, my favorite place is to have a classic, at least from a, because I've attended as, you know, working for BASS many, many times. Yeah. I've attended as uh, just a general media member many, many times. Not a huge fan of the Knoxville venues, quite honestly. Not trying to put them down here, but they're kind of far apart which means you're either going to have to drive or catch an Uber. And now in these days of Uber, that's not so bad. But they're kind of far apart. Uh, Bass doesn't do a great deal to facilitate parking for media members or even fans, uh, but certainly not for media members, and that's a shame. Um, also, I would say that um, 
because they're they're in separate venues like that, it's not as easy to get around as it might be or as it is in a place like Birmingham where you're actually just across the street between the expo and the weigh-in yeah. or Orlando where uh, where Bass was in 2006 where you're uh, you you spread apart a curtain and boom you're you're in the other venue so that was awfully nice and I, I love those kind of situations yeah they're handy and I and I'm a little biased because uh, my granddaughters live about 20 minutes out of Knoxville so there you go that's probably why I like it more <laughs> than more than the, the facilities and and the uh, the opportunities themselves but uh, it's an ever-changing uh uh, playing cards here because these guys jump back and forth anymore so much and and uh, it, it is kind of crazy you know guys that go and then they win and then they come back and it, it seems like the so many of them want to win titles in both places. Yeah, of course, the guy who's ever won both uh, the Bassmaster Classic and the Red Crest is Edwin Evers, who won the Classic in 2016, and then he won the uh, first ever Red Crest just uh, about three years ago. So. Uh, Edwin's done them both. Um, there is nobody in the field for the classic this year who has also won the red crest. So we won't see Edwin's feet duplicated, but it's a pretty good field, pretty strong field. A lot of the, uh, some of the names who came back to bass from MLF, like Gerald Swindle, Greg Hackney, Jason Christie, uh, they're in the field and certainly they're going to be guys to watch out for. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, uh, the event is, is it about a week later than what it's been in the past there? It, it probably should uh, bode well for the, the, the fishing, maybe even better. But, of course, depends on Mother Nature always, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah, we don't know what kind of weather we're going to get. It's still kind of far out, a few weeks out, so that's that's up for grabs. Uh, it's a little bit later than it has been sometimes. So, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, the Classic has been in, in more months than not. Uh, when it started, it was an October thing. It's been held in November. It's been in July, August. Uh, it's been February. It's been March. Uh, different eras of BASS has had, have had the classic in different times and different places based on when they thought they could pull the biggest audience. Yeah, yeah. And, and it seems like they really haven't found found that niche yet because they do change fairly often. Although... Recent years, it's it's pretty much been in March uh, recently, I think. Yes, yeah, since 2006, the Classic has moved to a, a late winter or extremely early spring slot. And, and I was working for BASS at the time, and I can tell you that uh, the, the goal at the time was to kind of be the first fishing event, first major fishing event out of the chute to capitalize on the fact that... Um, uh, Baseball hasn't started yet. Football is over. Um, you know, you may still have some, some NBA, but a lot of the uh, a lot of the NCAA basketball is over. So, trying to be, if not the only game in town, at least uh, at least have a, a lot fewer spotlights out there to share. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's a great business decision on their part to try to not have uh, competitors. How about any of the uh, the guys that qualified through the Bass Nation or any of the college guys? Anybody stick out to you or not really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there is a young man. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this young man. His name is Will Davis Jr. He's actually been on your show. Steve interviewed him yep. uh, after he won the Bass Federation uh, Championship uh, a few months ago. And he is off to a 
Bang got to start on the Elite Series. He had a, a, a top 20 finish at Okeechobee, and he is leading after day one at uh, the Lake Seminole Elite event. So this is a young man. He's 30 years old, Will Davis Jr. This is a young man who can make a big splash in the Elite Series, already doing so. And I think he's the first Bass Nation qualifier in more than 20 years with a, a legit chance to win the Bassmaster Classic. I mean, a, a guy who, who you, could, you could reasonably say should be listed among the favorites. He's that good, that talented. He has that kind of mental toughness. Um, I would not come up with any list of five anglers that I thought would win that would not have Will Davis on that's awesome to hear and and yes momentum is everything isn't it he's he's doing well right now and uh he i think the one thing about these guys that qualify that way is uh it's a dream and it, they're hungry they they it's like nothing they've ever dreamed of that's actually happening and i think i he's probably one of the guys that said he almost can't believe that he's getting this opportunity to do it but once they get there and they start tasting it uh, I think it becomes the job and the focus, and um, that's good. Good to hear. It, he'll be fun to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be watching him very carefully. I, I really don't think that tournament's going to be over until he weighs in. I believe he's going to make the cut Sunday, and I would not be shocked at all to see him win that event. It's not too big a stage, or too, uh, nor are the lights too bright for Will Davis Jr. There you go. Well, that's good to hear. Does, does Tennessee River Knoxville fit into his game? I think his game is uh, is really strong no matter where he goes. Uh, Will probably fishes a swim jig uh, in some fashion more than 50% of the time. And I think there's a lot of advantages to that approach and to being uh, a specialist with that kind of bait because, A, we know a jig is a big fish bait. Yep. And in the classic or in the elite series, you're just looking for – for five good bites a day. And and the jig is going to get you the kind of quality you probably need to be competitive. Uh, and swimming a jig, of course, is going to allow you to cover a lot of water. Uh, Will's dad, William Davis Sr., is the guy who built the very first swim jig yep. back in 1978. He, is, um, he built the first shaky heads. This is a guy who is a, a legend in a tackle and tackle design world. Um, and he taught Will. I, I could have told you some years ago he taught Will everything Will knows, but I think now Will is, is of course, forging his own trail. Yeah. And probably knows a bunch of stuff even his dad doesn't know. But I think Will's approach is going to be really strong on the Tennessee River. Of course, weather is going to determine whether whether that's going to be a, whether the swim jig will be a player. But uh, I can just about guarantee you Will will have several tied on and, and ready to go. Excellent. Uh, from Davis Bait Company. Excellent. Give me two two names. Uh, who else you thought would be in the top? Who you feel will be in the top five? I only get two. Two more. Two names. Really? Yep. Come on. Okay. Let's see. Unless you unless you, you want to name four really fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm always watching out for Patrick Walters. Yeah. Um, Patrick Walters is, has a great reputation with forward facing sonar, but I think day in day out. Patrick Walters may be the very best angler in the Bassmaster Elite Series. He's going to win one of these derbies one of these days, yep. and it just might be um, in Knoxville. Uh, another guy to look out for, I think, is um, wow, wow, forcing me to narrow it down. Um, Greg Hackney. 
Yeah. You know, uh, Hackney ha- has won a lot of titles in his career, including the FLW Championship and and um, FLW Angler of the Year, and and uh, you know he's he's won a lot of cha- he's won Bass Angler of the Year in 2014. Uh, Hackney's won a lot of things. He hasn't won a classic, and I know one of his goals coming back to Bass a few years ago was to knock that down. So uh, I'd be on the lookout for for Greg Hackney certainly. All right, throw those last two names in the top five with Will Davis Jr., Patrick Walters, and Greg Hackney. There you go. <laughs> who else Who else you got? Who are the other two? Oh, okay. If I get two more, you do. I'm going to look out for Brandon Lester. Lester, yeah. Uh, Brandon's from Fayetteville. He has, he, he's been around for quite a while, but he's still a young man. And uh, I, I think he is one of the guys who's just gotten better and better as he's been out there on the trail and as he's gained an experience and so forth. And uh, he is not going to let this opportunity pass without, he's going to leave everything out there on the water and it just might be enough this year because Brandon Lester's got that kind of talent. And, and the last guy I would pick um, is Jason Christie. You know, Jason Christie won the last classic. Yeah. And um, Christie's always a threat. He is that good. He, he's quite versatile. He's uh, uh, primarily a power guy. Um, and if there's some sort of spinnerbait bite going on out there, or some sort of uh, some sort of shallow water bite, and I expect there will be, unless the weather uh, turns ugly. Yep. Then, then Jason Christie's going to be a threat. There you go. Well, always appreciate your uh, your advice on on and your knowledge is is just uh, unbeatable. I, I appreciate it, Ken Duke, and uh, look forward to the next time we get to talk to you. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate you, brother, and uh, always a joy to be on your show. And uh, all the best to you, man, on your tournament trail. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That was Ken Duke. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta Outdoors. From bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle, to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. While Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. Please remember that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. 
Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting KeepAmericaFishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting ASAFishing.org. Oh, I'm getting already packing my bag. It is Tuesday, and tomorrow I leave to go to Charlotte, North Carolina for the Fast Pro Tour of the Major League Fishing Circuit Championship event. It's the big one. It's the Red Crest. Not only is it the lead tournament of the year, it's also going to be the uh, uh, Red Crest Expo, a tremendous event. And one of the people that I'm going to enjoy seeing fish, uh, not going to be able to see him do too much because he's going to be on the boat most of the time, but he is the favorite to win the Red Crest the ads makers have installed him as your best bet. If you're a betting person, you would be putting your money on the one and only Mr. Brian Thrift. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's uh, the, the the fishing starts tomorrow. This is on. Two, we're we're speaking on Tuesday morning before the Red Crest. How much have you pre-fished for this? Um, we just got uh, two days of practice before the event. Is, is that enough when you think about it? Um, it's uh, it would be nice to have another day, but I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's all fair for everybody. Everybody's fishing the same amount of time. Well, yeah, I, I guess. But you know what? Some some people got an advantage. Maybe maybe there's a couple people in that field of forty that uh, have fished. Lake Norman before. <laughs> I would say you're probably correct. Um, I don't. I don't um, know who has fished Lake Norman before, but <laughs> I think that would be an advantage. <laughs> it it would have been. I feel like, but we've had such abnormally warm weather this year that I don't think local advantage is going to play that much. All right, that, that that's fair. And, and and to clue the people in, uh, Brian Thrift hails from Shelby, North Carolina. Uh, how far off the water did you grow up? How far off of the water of Lake Norman did, did you uh, learn your skills? Um, I live about an hour and 10 minutes from the lake. So it's a, a decent little drive, but it's, it's one of the best lakes in our area. So I've spent most of my time over here fishing, you know, growing up or once I started Bass fishing. So, so when 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 those uh, all the big muckety mucks from Major League Fishing were trying to decide where to have the red crest this year, they picked up the phone and called one of their best guys, Brian Thrift. Says, "Hey, Brian, where do you think we ought to have this?" And you said, "Ah, <laughs> Lake Norman's not a bad spot. What do you think about that?" <laughs> no, I, I wish that was the case, but it, but it's not. I I had zero input on the selection. Um, I actually when they. Uh, I didn't see the announcement when they first made the announcement back in August and um, or July, whenever it was. And like all my buddies started texting me, like, and I thought they were just messing with me. I called one of them, like, "Man, you're kidding. You're just messing with me. We're not having it on Norman." <laughs> oh my goodness! You know what? Think about it. Uh, it's it, it's a good place. Look at the. Uh, uh, the, the the quality of the fishery is darn good. Uh, the the size is good. It's it's a great place to have it. But look at it as you've got the expo as well, which you're driving. People are coming to the expo, uh, packing up their families, uh, taking 
their vacation and 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 going to watch the uh, the all the big party that Redcrest is all about. Watch the uh, watch the final weigh in, which is which is an incredible event. And uh, you got to have a big city to to have it in so you can accommodate all these thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that are going down for the Red Crest and the Expo. And what better place is there than Charlotte, one of the one of the premier cities in the United States? Yeah, that's exactly right. Charlotte's a great host city, and I I don't think they could have picked a, a better host and a better venue. I mean, Lake Norman fishes really well. There's going to be a lot of action, a lot of fish caught. I think all the anglers are going to have a great time. The families are going to have a great time. And all the visitors coming to the expo are going to have a great time. You know, not only attending the expo the three days, but just also in Charlotte and the surrounding area with all the activities there there are to do for the families. I mean, you've got the NASCAR Hall of Fame. You've got so many things you can do in in and around the city of Charlotte. Like, it's just a great host city for a marquee event like the Red Crest. Yeah, it's definitely a major metropolis. There, there's a lot to do, uh, certainly uh, enough places to stay and eat and, and, and keep you busy while you're visiting, in, in addition to the fishing stuff. I, I think uh, I, I, spent, uh, I spent enough time in North Carolina to know that I really like it down there, and Charlotte is a, is a great example of Southern hospitality, to be sure. Yes, that is exactly right. I mean, you're great people, great food, great atmosphere. It's going to be a fun time. All right, so you got the pre-fish for two days. They give you today off, uh, and then we start the uh, fishing tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, uh, which is what day is tomorrow? The 8th. Uh, it, it starts tomorrow, and then uh, you've got uh, round one, round two. Then you've got the two knockout rounds and the championship. That That's a lot of fishing. Uh, they, they, they work you hard on, on Major League Fishing, don't they? They they really do, but I, I like it. Like, I welcome it because, you know, this is our championship event. I mean, it, I'm glad to see it become a five-day event because the winner truly deserves it. Like, you're not going to get lucky and win this tournament with one day. Like, you've got to catch fish for five days straight, and that's something no other event brings, you know, in this sport brings to the table, like where you have to actually perform for five days straight on the water. So it's a marathon and it's going to be fun to watch it unfold and how it plays out because it's a little bit different format than we had last year at Red Crest where we had the two different groups and uh, the anglers only fish four days. So this is going to be a little bit unique, especially with the five fish format and the combined weight over the last three days. It's, it's going to be fun. Five fish format, that's different. And uh, that that was a big deal back when uh, Major League Fishing started was uh, the fact that they attacked it in a different way. Uh, traditionally, uh, the other the other brand, I, I get to say, uh, Bassmaster and the Classic, uh, they, they do the uh, you know five big fi- the five biggest fish are what counts, and you get the the weigh in at the end where the guys are holding up the fish. Major League Fishing went to a different uh, a different format in that uh, they were counting every legal fish that you caught and weighed it, and uh, you know you you would get uh, uh, there there were guys that uh, caught a hundred pounds of scorable fish in a day. Uh, a little bit different than what we we were we were talking about it, and harder to figure. You know, if you're playing in the in the fantasy league, uh, the, the tiebreaker is the number of pounds of fish you can catch, and you kind of figure, well, you got five fish limit, and this time of the year maybe maybe five pounds fish average. You got twenty five pound bag. 
Well, that's out the window when you're counting every weighable fish. How do you how do you guess? Well, I think today is a ninety pound day. That doesn't happen. Everything is a surprise, and I think it's as big a surprise often for the fishermen when you're fishing under that format. What do you think? Oh, I agree. I mean, the one unique thing about Major League Fishing, the Bass Pro Tour, is we have the catch wave release format. So we, we always know where we stand throughout the day. And I absolutely love that format because there's there's no worse feeling when you're bass fishing than to think the fish aren't biting and find out they were biting when you come to weigh yet. <laughs> so that's not the case with us. So, you know, if it's 10 o'clock in the morning, you can ask for an update from your official and you know exactly where you're at. What's what's the weather like uh, for the tournament? What's it, what's it been for the past couple of days of pre-fishing? What does it look like for the actual event? Well, we've had three abnormally warm, sunny days. We've got pollen everywhere, which is weird for North Carolina in March. And uh, I think the tournament is supposed to be similar. Um, a lot of sunshine, maybe a few clouds. But uh, I think it is supposed to cool off just a little bit. But all in all, it's, it's not going to change the bike very much, I don't believe. Okay, fair fair enough. Fair enough. Now, now, now you're off today with, with consistent weather. It shouldn't affect you that much. But uh, if if uh, the weather had a big change today, tomorrow, uh, in the forecast or, or whatever, could, could that completely screw up? Does that make your pre-fishing you know, virtually useless if the weather is going to change the way the fish are behaving? Um, I wouldn't say it makes it useless, but it it might not change the locations you fish, but it could change the bait you throw, if that makes sense. So, well, explain you know, it, it explain a little, it a little. I understand what you're saying. Explain it a little better for the listeners. What would uh, <laughs> what would what what would change it, and and in what direction would you make your changes on your baits? So the the biggest thing is going to be so we've had warm sunny days, fish are kind of starting to get up thinking about spawning and you know you could catch them on some uh catch them dragging plastics wacky worms stuff uh-huh. like that but but then as you know if we get a cold night or two it may change the fish from setting up high in the water column sunning to where you're you know you revert back to throwing a jerk bait or your typical cold water tactics jerk bait crank bait swim bait things like that all right fair enough now uh, uh uh, Lake Norman's got quite a population of uh, real nice largemouth bass, but I have—I've uh, never been on the lake. I've heard that it's uh, notorious for being one of the best lakes in the country for spotted bass. Is that true? Yes, it's chock full of spotted bass. Um, you don't see a lot of big ones, but I mean, you do see some three and four pounders. Yeah. So it's. But the, the unique thing about Norman is there's so many fish in it. You can get so many bites. I mean, we're going to have guys that are, you know, catching 30 to 50 bass a day. Do you fish for spots different than you fish for largemouth? I don't on this lake because they seem to inhabit the same areas and kind of behave the same. Like you, you can't say, oh, I'm going to go run shallow, dirty water to target largemouth because you end up catching spots there too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh that 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 is interesting. And and obviously having a history on the lake is gonna help in that regard. 
uh, whether or not. We're going to talk about that home field advantage in a second. I need to take a real quick break, uh, let our sponsors have a word, and we come back. Uh, I'm going to ask you about your sponsors, the people that help get you to the Red Crest, and uh, a few other things about fishing on what is technically your home water. We're here with uh, one of the best fishermen on the planet, Mr. Brian Thrift, also one of the nicest guys around. We'll be back with Brian right after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley, and I am honored to be on the phone recording this interview with Mr. Brian Thrift. Look it up, folks. There aren't a lot of people in professional fishing that have won over $3 million in their career. You're listening to one of them right now. He is Mr. Brian Thrift. Hey, Brian, did, when did you realize in, in, your, in your youth that you were going to be a $3 million man? <laughs> I, I don't think I ever realized that. I was just hoping to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't even can't even imagine that. Uh, now do, do, do you look at you look at that and say, well, you know, if I do this another fifteen years, I, I'm gonna be a six million dollar man. Yeah, that's my goal, six million. <laughs> I, I I don't see you ever thinking that, Brian. You are far too uh, you're, you're far too a normal guy kind of person, you know. <laughs> yeah, and. You know, it seems like fishing is a, it's kind of a humbling sport. And if you look at most anglers that have been in it for quite some time, I'm, I include myself in that category now. This is my, let's see, 16th year fishing professionally. But usually anglers will get on a hot streak for, you know, maybe five, six, seven years. And that's kind of what I did. You know, I, I had most of my success between 2010 and 2019. And I've still had great years since then, but it seems like that really builds an angler's career. And I'm very fortunate, very blessed that, you know, I was able to have several really, really good years in the industry and kind of build a name for myself. And I hope to still be doing it, you know, when I'm in my 70s. I want to be out here like Larry Nixon and David Fritz and 
Everybody having fun, catching fish. Man, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. It's t- uh, 2019, uh, you, you won two events. You finished in the top 10 eight times. You made over a half a million dollars in the one year. And in, in earnings, it's one of the top 10 years in all of fishing. Uh, and, and you were, a- after it was over, you, you were the same guy. You didn't change one iota personality-wise, <laughs> even though you were riding on top of the world, man, you couldn't turn left or right without somebody sticking a camera or a microphone in your face, and, and it, it didn't change you. You're, you're just Brian Thrift. Yeah, and that's the way you've got to be, because unlike most other sports, fishing is very humbling, because you're in the, the eyes of your peers in the industry, you're only as good as your last turn. So, so you can't really dwell on the past a lot in this industry and always, you know, you've got to try to do your best in every event because you can get forgotten just as quick as you can get found. Yeah, yeah, that that that, that is the that is the truth. Uh do you have a huge entourage making it down there uh, to support you this week? Oh yeah. You know, I have my wife and my sons and my mother, mother and father in law, the whole family will be here. They're really looking forward to getting to the expo and checking out all the stuff. So it's going to be a fun week. I ask you about that expo in a sec. Uh, talking about the, the people coming down. Uh, you're, you're a great family, man. We had the we had the pleasure of uh, having having you on the show a, a, a number of times one year. I used to joke that we were changing the name of the show to We Fish Brian Thrift since uh, you were you were always on with us. And I uh, called you one day, and I say, Brian, can we do an interview, a uh, tape interview on Monday? And you, you said, yeah, and I called. And uh, you said, hey, Steve, do you mind if I play catch with my son while we're talking? And I, oh, look at, yeah. I go, this is the, the family man of family men. Are you going to play catch with his son? <laughs> do I mind? Hey, hell no. You do whatever you want, Brian Thrift. And, and I just think that that shows me, and I'm telling everybody, what Brian Thrift's priorities in life are. Yeah, fishing is important. Uh, uh, winning $3 million is important. But you know what? You're not going to trade that family time for nothing. No, you can't. I mean, especially in this line of work, you stay gone so much, you know, during the season, you're traveling. When, when you're home, like I try to devote, you know, 100% of my time to my wife and kids. How long have you been married? I've been married 15 years. Were, were, were you a professional fisherman when you got married? We actually got married my rookie season. So it's kind of a funny story. We got married the week before my first ever Forestwood Cup. So we had to cut the honeymoon short so I could go practice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, that is absolutely incredible. I just want to, you, you know, I wonder about that uh, husband-wife thing with a lot of guys, what the timing is, because I can't imagine, you know, I don't know what you did for work prior to becoming one of the best professional fishermen in the world, but coming home from work one day, say, honey, I just decided to make a little career decision. Oh, you got a new, <laughs> jo- you got a new job? Yeah, I'm going to be a professional fisherman starting tomorrow. You just follow me around the country, and oh, by the way, I'm going to need a lot of money for entry fees. <laughs> It was similar to that, but not quite. <laughs> so oh, I can't imagine. We, we waited to get married until um, my wife got out of school and actually started her job. She was a teacher, t- taught elementary school. And uh, 
I'd always saved all my money up, so it, we were we were all right. It wasn't as risky as it sounds. <laughs> oh no, not ri- not risky at all. Oh man, unbelievable! All right, you're you're off today. You you've pre-fished uh, two days prior to us taping this. You're off today. What are you doing on your day off? Um, I'm rigging rods right now, uh-huh. and then we've got a. We've got our pre-tournament meeting at 2 and media and interview stuff the rest of the afternoon and a little dinner tonight. And then we hopefully get some good sleep, get after it in the morning bright and early. You got dinner tonight. They're going to put you in a room with everybody who's fishing. Uh, it's not a, and it's a, it's a closed society. It's not in open to the public, so it'll be all the fishermen, all the people from, from Major League Fishing. Do you all get along pretty well? Can, can can we put you all in the same dining room and and not worry about a fight breaking out? Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody's very cordial. I mean, everybody. We're all friends. Like you, like of course I want to win, but you know it's still exciting when you see what your one of your buddies do well and win. So it's I don't think there's too many in the tournament that you know. are are enemies. <laughs> I'll say. It. I said that uh, it's it's always. Uh, uh, sometimes you see a weigh in and, and, you know, they, they got the leader up there and, and he gets passed and he's got to shake hands and hand it off to the next one. And I, and I look at their face real good, trying to see if I think they're real sincere in, in, in handing off the lead to somebody else. And they talk, you know, at the end, they'll talk and say, oh, he's a great guy and he deserved it. And you wonder if they're really telling the truth or, or they really want to say, dang it, it should be me up there instead, instead of him. <laughs> And uh, I said last year, last year at the Redcrest, I, I was watching the final, and and I was right a couple of steps away from Van Dam, and when uh, when Bobby Lane won it, uh, Van Dam jumped up out of his chair and he pumped his fist and he goes, "Yeah, yeah," and I'm like, "You know what? I think he's really pleased that that Bobby Lane did this. I, I think he must like that Bobby Lane." And you know what? <laughs> oh yeah, that's pretty much the way it is all over the place. Uh, I, I don't see any any animosity or any ill will wished on anybody. It's it's a good group of people. It, it really is. You know that's what's so fun about the just the whole fishing industry is. So you know the people you meet in it, you know, are lifelong friends. I mean, it's it's something to be said for the sport and the type of people that participate in it and just love being outdoors in general. I mean, the, there's a reason people get into the sport and love bass fishing just because it's so wholesome and just so fun to be out on the water. Yeah, for sure. I'm joking around about, uh, and I said, Van Dam, he's announced that this is his last year. He's retiring. Uh, this will be his last uh, Red Crest. And can you believe the nerve of that guy announcing that? Now everybody should be talking to you and taking your picture. And everybody's asking Van Dam about his retirement. Can you believe that guy? <laughs> Yeah, I, it kind of surprised me. I hate to see him go, but I mean, I can understand it. I, I may be feeling like he is one day when I get a little bit older. But you know, Kevin's been a huge impact, had a huge impact on the sport. I mean, there's no arguing; he's the greatest angler that the sport has had. I mean, throughout the the life of the sport. So it's it's kind of sad to see him go, but you know, I wish him well. He's going to have a great you know career, whatever he decides to do. From here on out, I'm sure he's not going to leave the industry. But I mean, it, I've enjoyed fishing with him, and that's that's something I really love about being in the Bass Pro Tour is 
you know, I get it kind of is a blending of all the anglers across the industry. And, you know, we get to compete and fish against guys that, you know, I didn't get to compete against when I was fishing FLW. So I've made a lot of great new friends over the last three or four years and definitely sad to see them retire. But it's going to make it easier on everybody else. <laughs> hey, 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 do you, you hear that? You hear that noise? Hear that noise? That's, that's a bus coming, and I'm about to throw you under it, Brian Thrift. <laughs> throw you under the bus. If Brian Thrift can't win... The 2023 Red Crest, the Major League Fishing Championship on Lake Norman this week. Who, who do you think are the guys that got the best shot? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, Andy Montgomery is probably going to be my number one choice just because he's, you know, we grew up together fishing this lake, and we've both got a lot of history here. I'd love to see Andy win. But this time of year, I mean, you can't count anybody out. I mean, these guys are the guys that have qualified for Red Crest, it's not a one-step qualification. You know, it's guys that have been performing, having great years. So they had a great year last year, you know, no hiccups. They're all fishing great. They're fishing clean. And it's really anybody's ball game. If I don't think you could pick one guy to say Lake Norman's going to play to their strengths over someone else. I, I think you're right about that. I def I definitely do think you're right. And and, and Andy Montgomery, that's a, that's a good choice, an interesting choice. And and uh, I, I hope he's got a good shot at number two, finishing second behind uh, behind <laughs> Brian Thrift. That would be a nice. That would be a nice thing. Hey man, uh, this this expo, I'll be disappointed. You know, the expo is great. It blew my mind last year to see the the expo that they pulled off, but. Whenever I go to an ICAST or a big fishing show like this, I, I walk the aisle and I get to that Fitzgerald fishing booth, uh, makers of some gosh darn fine rods, and and I see Brian Thrift in there working. You work hard for your sponsors, and, and I enjoy watching how much effort you put into uh, Fitzgerald rods, but we're not going to see you in the booth because you're fishing every day. That's got to be breaking your heart. I know you love meat. I know you love meeting the people and you love selling your sponsor's products. Yeah, I do. And I, I love, you know, hanging out with the Fitzgerald guys and working the booth. I hope I'm not there any at all this week. I hope I'm fishing all five days, but you know, if something happens and I don't make the cut, we'll be in there from selling rods and talking to everybody and, you know, licking our wounds. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, in all honesty, I, I I get there. Uh, I get there tomorrow. You'll already be you'll already be fishing, and uh, hopefully, I will see you at the uh, at the little cocktail bash after the uh, tournament on Sunday, and be able to uh, toast you for an excellent performance as always. Uh, I, I hope I don't see you in between then, because I want you on the water all five days. And I want to be there too. This is, but this lake's a, it's kind of fickle. Like it can, it can humble you real quick. And uh, I don't know. We're just going to have to see how it goes. <laughs> I'm usually, uh, I'm not a very good in between guy here. Usually it's pretty bad or pretty good. And I've been fortunate to have two really good events here. So hopefully we can keep it going. <laughs> Excellent. Brian Thrift. 3.3 million plus in winnings and career. Looking to add a big number to that this weekend. Major League Fishing, Redcrest. It's their championship. It's the big event. Lake Norman, Charlotte, North Carolina. It starts on Wednesday the 8th. It finishes up on Sunday the 12th. 
It is the biggest event. Folks, if you're anywhere within distance, come on down, see a great tournament, and visit the Expo. It's something any fisherman would want to attend. And uh, hopefully see Brian Thrift raising up that big championship trophy after it's all over on Sunday. Brian, thanks for being with us. We wish you the best, and hopefully we'll talk again next week if you are the winner of this thing. Good luck to you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Brian Thrift, he is something else, one of the best on the planet. Take care, Brian. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, Ken Duke, Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine with a Red Crest preview. Another Red Crest preview came from Brian Thrift. $3 million man, one of the nicest guys in the business, and man, can this guy fish. The cards play right for this guy. He'll be on with us again next week. That's right, if he wins the Red Crest, we'll talk to him again. But enjoy him now before it happens. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Daiwa Reels. Remember that we've got a new episode of our podcast each and every week. You can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can hear it on our website, wefishasa.com. You can also contact us there. So if you like what you hear, let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.